Welcome back to episode 70 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent in which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free, where I give my overall opinion on a series, and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Tokyo Ghoul. Season 1 was released in 2014 by Studio Periot. It has 12 episodes and comes in both sub and dub. I watched the series in sub. The story follows Ken Kaneki, who while walking home a date is attacked when the woman reveals herself as a ghoul. Luckily, Ken is saved by some falling steel beams at a construction site, crushing his attacker. Left in critical condition, Ken's life is spared by an organ transplant from his ghoul assailant. Soon after surgery, Ken develops odd side effects such as a lack of taste and the inability to hold down food. The ghoul organs have mutated his body into something new. Ken must now navigate a life of eating humans to survive while avoiding hunters and other antagonistic ghouls. Ken is a quiet college student who made me proud of the fact I don't read. Always having his nose in a book led him on a date with a serial killing ghoul. Girls are nothing but trouble and you have to watch out for the shy ones, they're the most crazy. Now the existence of ghouls is well known, Ken should have been more selective with who he's alone with. I don't care how beautiful a girl is, I'm not walking down a dimly lit road for anyone. In that moment Ken chose to be attacked but didn't deserve what he got. The bite on his shoulder made me wince in pain and I'm shocked he survived being thrashed around. If an anime can make me feel something I'm usually hooked. When Ken is trying to eat his favorite hamburger I could imagine the patty's slime texture. Bite after bite I really felt bad for Ken, his life is completely flipped as a one-eyed ghoul. Rize was unable to control herself while feeding, so I found it interesting the glutton trait wasn't passed over when Ken received her organs. If anything, he's the opposite, trying to consume little meat as possible. I'd be screwed as a ghoul because I hate coffee. No appetite suppression for me. I'd have to get used to human pretty quickly if I wanted to survive. Which brings me to the question, if you were a ghoul, could you eat a person? I thought about it and determined I could only eat a bicep. For some reason, that muscle doesn't bother me like a leg or organ does. While Ken's situation isn't ideal, it comes with some perks. His Kagune is fire, once it's mastered he's going to be moving around like Doc Ock. His half mask is deadly looking, at first I wasn't sure how I felt about the zipper being visible along the teeth, but it's nasty. Ken lost both parents at a young age and only has his friend Hide for support. Leaving food on Ken's apartment door handle after he was discharged from the hospital showed what a great guy Hide is. While he is a good dude, my man was horrible with the ladies. The way Hide tried to strike up a conversation with Toka was awful. Toka acts super shy when taking Hide's order at the cafe, which was a hilarious facade. She was a cranky savage in reality. Toka shoved a chunk of innards down Ken's throat, forcing him to feed. It wasn't exactly the gentle approach. Then she kicked his ass and threw a decapitated head in his lap. Toka isn't a complete ice queen, she has a soft spot for one person. Yoriko is Toka's female Hide, which is funny because those two look like they could be related. Toka cares for Yoriko so deeply she will go through the pain of digesting food and potentially damaging her insides simply because Yoriko made it. While fighting Shu, it's mentioned Toka isn't the cold beast she once was, I'm curious if Yoriko was the warmth that changed her. After Toka stopped Ken from killing Hide, she is shown in her bedroom with bandages. I was surprised Ken got in some hits, maybe she really has become soft. Something that bothered me is Toka's Kagune isn't exactly butterfly wings, but it's close enough. Yet she is labeled rabbit by the doves because of the design of her mask. Rabbits don't have wings and for whatever reason this drove me nuts. 
In my opinion, Token needs to ditch the rabbit persona and pick a mask related to a creature with wings. I hated Nietzsche even towards the end when he was made a good guy. The death of his sister and how it affected him did little to gain my sympathy. Everyone may forget, but I'm not going to easily forgive the killing of Kazuo. He was a friendly ghoul who not only asked if Ken was alright when crying, he offered to share his meal even though he hadn't eaten in some time. Kazuo didn't deserve to have his head kicked off by this four-eyed, orange-haired twat. I recognized this clown as Hide's upperclassman when he was first shown, so I was taken off guard when he booted Hide into the parking structure. When Nishiki is stomping on Hide's head, all I could think is there's no way that wouldn't induce severe brain damage, but this led to my favorite action piece of the season. Ken using his Kagane to rapid fire pierce Nishiki's body making it gyrate while blood rained down and finishing with the skin of his cheek being ripped off by a handrail was awesome. It was violent and couldn't have happened to a more deserving prick. What Nishiki led me to understand is how well ghouls can blend into the world. Anyone who wanted to come around me has to eat a three course meal and digest it for a minimum of four hours with no bathroom breaks. Any cringe expression or beads of sweat rolling down their forehead and I'm dropping scaffolding on them. Speaking of falling building materials, next up is Rize. She is shown to be strong from the jump, Jason couldn't lay a hand on her and she not only escaped but stole his appendage removing clamp. Rize is a true monster. Ghouls can last on one body for a month if not two, yet she walks into a building scarfing down dozens of people. The moment Rize entered the cafe I knew she was the glutton. During her date with Ken I was yet to be aware ghouls are unable to eat regular food so when Rize mentioned being on a diet I figured it was a binge and purge scenario. You know, 20 bodies last night, no sandwich today. It was well established Rize is evil, but I thought she was extra cruel to toy with Ken. She led the guy on just to rip him apart later, like if she was going to kill him, just do it. Rize had Ken talking about his best friend, love of books, and the passing of his parents. She is literally playing with her food. Nishiki explains some ghouls are stimulated by crushing the trust they earn with a human before eating them, and Rize got off on Ken running for his life. I guess people are different than animals, fear must not ruin our meat. Now I don't know how I'd handle being saved by the organs of my attempted killer, but I can tell you how I wouldn't react. With curiosity for the monster that tried to eat me. After the horror Ken was subject to at the hands of Rize, he's still interested in who she was. That was only the tip of Ken's naivety. He ignored Toka's warning and agreed to meet with the gourmet. Shu made a little small talk about books and with one similar interest, Ken instantly ignores all the red flags. She was a stranger that showed up to Ken's school. That's creepy. He was also a friend of Rize, the nutjob who tried to eat him. Did it ever cross Ken's mind Shu and Rize would share similar interests? Ken has learned nothing from previous experiences. Rize isolated him at a construction site. He nearly dies. Nishiki pulled him into an empty parking garage. He almost dies. Shu requests they go to a quiet spot alone to discuss literature. What did Ken think was going to happen? If I went to an establishment that required me to shower upon entry, wear their clothes, and coffee is served to me by a maid covering her face with a mask, I'm out. When it came to the actual dissection of Ken, I had many questions about the entire affair. First, who funds this event? I mean, they had a mechanical platform raise Ken into the arena as the ceiling compartment slid to the side. That setup must have cost a fortune to build. I thought Shu was aware Ken was a one-eyed ghoul and wanted to impress the club by serving him. It turned out Shu had no idea which is why he stepped in and stopped the execution. That raised the question of why Shu went to the cafe to meet Ken if not for him being a one-eyed ghoul. If the appeal truly was Ken's scent and flavor, I can't understand why they wouldn't mop the previous blood from the killing floor. 
Ken got covered in it, would that not change his smell and taste? I can only assume those factors are important. The gourmet was seven different shades of crazy while smelling his bloodied handkerchief in ecstasy. My last observation is there are way too many ghouls at this dinner. Especially with how Taro was going after Ken, the majority of his blood would be on the floor, and I can't imagine the remains left being enough to go around. The biggest surprise of the season was Shu being alive towards the end. I was certain he'd been killed when an arm and half his face were cut off in the church. But Shu put up a hell of a fight against three opponents and all things considered, he was pretty kind to Nishiki. He could have killed him or Kimi at any time, but didn't. The fact Nishiki can get a girlfriend is beyond me, but Kimi might be dumber than Ken. She is fine with her boyfriend killing people excluding her friends and family. That is wildly selfish, everyone is somebody's friend or family. It's not like she's accepting of all this because Nishiki is such a great guy, he is a scumbag who doesn't just kill to sustain himself. R.I.P. Kazuo. Nishiki openly admitted to using Kimi in order to live after Ken mauled him, and this dumb seagull still offers up a chunk of her shoulder meat. Kimi has no respect for herself and would have been better off dying in that church. Mato and Amon are investigators for the CCG, an organization whose goal is to rid Tokyo of ghouls. They act as if ghouls are barbaric, and I'm not saying killing people is right, but at least they're doing it for their survival. It's no different than humans hunting animals. The majority of them are not just killing to kill, of course there are outliers as mentioned, but every group has them. Watching Motto search for answers regarding Jason's clamp, he indiscriminately executes ghouls left and right. The first was self-defense from an attack from behind, the rest are, hey, have you ever seen this before? No? Then die. Motto is no different than the ghouls he hates, in fact he is worse. Hinami is a little girl ghoul who Ken connects with through a love of reading. She is staying at the cafe with her mother until her father's business with some dangerous people is finished. Unfortunately, Hinami's father and mother are killed by the doves and this is where Ken really pissed me off. So far he's beat Nishiki, held his own against Toka, and survived fighting Taro. He had been training with Yomo which gave him confidence to save a piece of garbage like Nishiki from three ghouls, but he wouldn't risk himself for Hinami's mom? Ken didn't have to attack the doves head on. He could sneak up from behind just to create a distraction so Hinami and her mother could escape in the confusion. Mato is the true monster. He lured Hinami into a trap using her mother's body parts. Hinami does have to accept some responsibility on that one. She's fallen for the same scent trap twice now. Then Mato whips out both the mother's and father's Kagune to kill a child. The coolest part of the investigators is they transform Kagune from slain ghouls to be weapons used against others. The one Mato made from the doctor reminded me of a thick version of Kurashiki's sword eater and chivalry of a failed knight. Not that it mattered because Toga was playing chess when she tricked Mato to fight in an environment where his weapon was less effective. I was happy Mato died, but stay true to his creed until the very end. Even if it costs you an arm and a leg, once an enemy is in front of you, you must fight. I don't understand our next villain's displays of force. Throwing a man through the doctor's door wasn't needed. Everyone knows Yamori is a monster, the doctor would have given the same answer without a shredded man on his desk. The CCG calling Yamori Jason because he wears a hockey mask is hilarious, and I knew Ken was tough, but the ass whooping he took from Yamori at the cafe was god level. Before watching Tokyo Ghoul, I would always see Ken on lists of characters who suffered a traumatic incident. When I saw Ken attacked by Rize, it sucked, but it wasn't the worst thing. Then came the torture scene and I was like, oh, there it is. I can barely count backwards from Seven sitting on the couch, it would be impossible for me to do it under those circumstances. Seeing the discoloration of Ken's toes where they had been repeatedly cut off was gnarly, and the pain of a centipede in Ken's ear forcing him to beg for death was intense. Ken learned the hard way not choosing his a choice when the couple giving him hope for escape were killed due to his indecisiveness.
When Ken accessed full power and fought back, his leg twisting was gross, but more concerning was the spin back healing didn't affect my man in the slightest. I don't think Yamori understood the monster he was creating. Ken adapted Yamori's knuckle cracking and math problems. When an adversary reverses tactics upon you, that's never a good sign. Yamori's Kagane was really cool, it formed around him like armor, and the final fight was awesome, but I will say it was a very odd place to end a season. The Tokyo Ghoul anime gets a lot of flack. Not so much this season, but one gripe I've seen is Ken's hair becoming white looked like a transformation rather than what it truly was. Ken has Marie Antoinette syndrome, which is the gradual loss of hair color due to stress or fear. The days of being Jason's plaything drained the color over time, it wasn't supposed to be an instant shift. Which also raised the question of Ken's clothes. He went from the cafe uniform to a t-shirt and cut off khakis, when did he get a chance to change outfits? This series does an amazing job of giving dual perspectives. Toka raised an interesting point from someone who has always been a ghoul. Why does everyone love cake? It tastes gross to her, so inquiring about it was funny. I'd been focused on Ken dealing with new challenges and how eating humans would be difficult. It was cool to think about how flavors would be perceived the other way around. The editing of Toka and Amon airing their grievances about how the other side is to blame for their problems was great. Neither can accept they suffer from the same issues, only believing their own losses are important. When Ken feels he has no place, the manager points out he is associated with both the human and ghoul worlds, making him capable of understanding the plight of both sides. If anyone could foster some peace, it would be Ken. A quick highlight during this scene is while being trained at the cafe, Ken suggests ghouls should hide and not serve humans. All I could think was screw that, last time I checked their money's still green. Now it's time for my speculation. When the construction cable tore apart and the steel beams came crashing down on Rize, my first assumption was Toka cut the wire. She had given Ken and Rize a suspicious look while heading down that road. After saving Ken in the alley from Nishiki, Toka questions why he hadn't been eaten by Rize. This let me know two things. First, if someone had saved Ken that night, it wasn't Toka. Second, she had no issue letting him be killed. During a pulled back shot of the cranes, I paused in hopes to find the silhouette of a person but saw nothing. Eatery later said someone was witnessed up there, so maybe my assumption of this not being an accident is correct. Tokyo Ghoul's sound design was great. The first episode started with a corpse thrown onto the glass of a fish tank. The thud noise made my heart skip a beat. I also want to say the stomach growls of a hungry ghoul were realistic, but how can a fictional creature's noises be realistic? As for the voice acting, I can't make this stuff up. Kano Hanazawa, who I mentioned in every other review, is the voice of Rize. She absolutely killed this role. Rize's maniacal laugh while devouring a pile of bodies was insane. I once again had no idea this was Kana's voice until I looked it up. This woman does not miss. Nitpicks. Rize looked like a grown woman compared to Ken while on their date. He is supposed to be in college but looks 15 years old. When Ken tried to stab himself to confirm he is a ghoul, I personally would have targeted my hand and not go straight for the organs just in case my taste buds really were off due to the surgery. When the manager explained studying people aids in ghoul survival and how he likes humans, it was a nice moment that I had to ruin by saying, yeah, you like the taste of humans. When Ken goes to resupply the cafe with food, he's told to put the man in a duffel bag. I notice the bag is half the size of the body. I'm curious if they fold or chop the corpse in half. For a guy who's quick to initiate an altercation, Niski sure did run away like a punk after Toka sliced him up in the alley. The gourmet mentions virgin eyeballs are a delicacy. How the hell does sex change the flavor of an eyeball? I can only think of one way, but I doubt it would make it taste better. 
Nishiki states while killing the man who turned in his sister that he'd never trust anyone again. That line made no sense. When did he trust that guy in the first place? They never met. Toka is so concerned with her identity being exposed by Kimi, yet she goes on top the church with glowing wings as if that's not noticeable. If Hinami's mother told her the doves were out instead of lying about needing something back home, I feel she may have been more receptive to her father's scent being a trap. Amon's haircut as a rookie was awful. Toka's issues with her brother and him being brought in late didn't do anything for me. I wish they would have saved that for season 2. This isn't so much a nitpick, I just laughed at the CCG, Jason, and pretty much anyone else searching for Rize, having no clue she's dead. Months of inactivity and none of these major organizations put it together. Best Girl Waifu and Harem Rize is too crazy and I didn't find Toka all that interesting. Best Girl goes to Hanami for being adorable and bouncing back from the death of both parents. In time, she's going to be a beast with her dual Kagune. The two ladies welcome to the harem are Ryoko, aka Hinami's mother, and Kaya, one of the servers at the cafe. Final thoughts. Tokyo Ghoul had a great world build with some over-the-top characters. The fights were fantastic and I'm excited to carry on to the next season. I would definitely recommend you check out the Tokyo Ghoul series. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.